Hi, you're listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist Church. These resources are not designed to take the place of a local church, but we hope they will encourage you on your journey with Christ. For more information about how you can connect with the Second Family, visit mysecond.family. This sermon was delivered live at our Greenbrier campus. Thanks for listening. So uh, not long ago, uh, we, we had to put our dog down. And uh, I know, that's kind of a Debbie Downer way to start this morning. Um, but we did. We, ha- we had to put our, our dog down. He was, um, his name was Max, and he was a 15-year-old Yorkie, which apparently in dog years is like over a 100-year-old person, right? So he was, he was very old. And so Abby and I, we knew that the day was coming. We were going to have to put down Max. And, and so what we decided to do is uh, around Thanksgiving, we decided, well, we'll get a new puppy. You know, that way... Max can meet his replacement on the way out the door, right? <laughs> uh, and so anyway, that, that's what we ended up doing. And you know, it, it was a difficult um, thing to do, but about four months ago, we put Max down. We did, and um, it, it was tough. But um, whenever we did that, my youngest son, Ames, uh, he, he just started asking a lot of questions. Uh, he's three years old, and, and he was like, um, hey, Dad, where's Max? And, uh, you know, we just acted like we didn't hear him and, and stuff. And so just kind of, <laughs> just, I don't know, buddy, what's, what's a max, you know? Here's Miles, remember Miles, you know? And, and so um, that's what we did. Well, just this past week, I was laying down with Ames, helping him fall asleep at night. And um, he started randomly just asking questions about Max again. And he's, he was like, hey, Dad, did Max get died? And I was like, yeah, buddy, <laughs> Max got died. And... Um, he says, but, but only, only dogs die, right? And I was like, yeah, buddy, that, that's right. It, 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 not the best parenting move, but it was late and I was pretty tired. So that's what we told him. And uh, then he was like, I'll never die, right, Dad? And I was like, yeah, that's right, buddy. Um, you, you'll never die. And, and then so I asked him, I said, buddy, are you, um, are you like sad? Are you, are, you, are you upset about Max? Do you miss him? And he thought for a second, he goes, no, I like our new dog better, you know. And so I was like, the plan worked, right? The plan worked perfectly. But even as a three-year-old, he's, he's having questions about death, it, you know, like the, the finality of it, the, the complexity of it, the, the confusion that surrounds it. He has questions on it. And I think we would probably agree that we, we have questions on it as well. It's not something we like to talk about or dwell on, but if we're honest with ourselves, there's probably some questions that we have about about death. Unfortunately, death is a part of, of life. And in our text this morning, Paul says, I don't want you to be uninformed about death. I don't want you to be confused about it. I want you to have a God-shaped view of death and of grief and the hope that we have in Jesus, right? So that's what we're talking about this morning. If you have a Bible, open it with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. As, as you're turning there, you need to know and you need to remember that Paul, whenever he was with the people in Thessalonica, he, he apparently taught them a lot about death and specifically about the return of Jesus. We know that from his other, uh, from other chapters in the book, from 2 Thessalonians, he references it as well, but he taught them about the return of Jesus, that one day Jesus is going to return and collect his followers. And he told them that so that they would live expectant and that they would have hope, right? 
But somehow that teaching got kind of twisted that Jesus was gonna return and, and they, they, they got very confused by it. In fact, some of them, uh, we talked about, I think it was just last week, that some of them, um, whenever they heard Jesus is returning, they thought Paul meant like next week. And so they just quit their jobs and stopped working because you know, if you find out you only got a week left, you might as well, I guess, party or whatnot. There was, there was also a, uh, a group of people, Second Thessalonians chapter two tells us that there was a group of people that were trying to confuse the new Christians and saying that Jesus had already returned and that they had missed the boat, right? And so they're confused about that. And then also they're confused about the return of Jesus whenever it comes to, um, they had some friends, some brothers and sisters in Christ die and they were wondering, well, what happens to them? Like, do they miss out on the return of Jesus? And so there's all these questions that they have around uh, the idea of the return of Jesus. And so Paul writes to them, he says, I don't want you to be uninformed. Because here you have a group of people who they've lost friends, they've lost loved ones, and they're hurting, they're grieving, and they're confused. And Paul says, I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you to be uninformed concerning those who are asleep. And so something that you and I need to know this morning as we get into this conversation is that Paul's letter here is very pastoral. He's, he's writing to them. He's not trying to give them a timeline of when it's going to happen when Jesus returns. He's not trying to help them with their eschatological views of end times or anything like that. He is just trying to comfort his friends who are hurting and they're grieving, right? That's his purpose in writing this this morning. He's writing to comfort his friends that are confused and he's hurting. And I bet that we would benefit from this conversation this morning as well that we experience hurt and grief and trials, that this instruction will inform us as well. And so we're gonna read the text. Before we do, I want us to pray uh, one more time this morning. As I pray, why don't you just pray for yourself that God would speak to you uh, in this moment. God, we uh, thank you just for the, the morning that we've already had. I thank you for our time of worship. I thank you for our kids and just the new life that they uh, just show us and how exciting that is, how encouraging it is uh, to see our kids worshiping you. And so we thank you for that. But now as we pause and we open your word, God, I pray that you would speak to us and that you would show us new things, challenging things. If we need conviction, I pray that you would convict us. If we need encouragement, I pray that you would encourage us. We love you and we're listening. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, 1 Thessalonians chapter four. Pick up in verse 13 with me. Paul says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, concerning those who are asleep. That's a, that's a term used back in the day for people who are dead. Concerning those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve like the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For we say this to you by a word from the Lord. We who are still alive at the Lord's coming will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the archangel's voice, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are still alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. 
Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So that's our text this morning. I think there's a few things in this text I want to show you. First is that we grieve. Verse 13, we all grieve. Paul says, so that you will not grieve like the rest. He's not saying that we won't grieve. We will. We will. The Christian faith, even though we believe in eternal life, does not exempt us from the normal emotion, the human process of grieving. See, grief is the emotional process of working through a significant loss. Anytime something that is removed, anyone or anything that holds significant value in our life, if that thing is removed, it triggers a response of grief. And so this can be a loss of a a loved one, either through death or separation or uh, distance. It can be the the loss of a job, the loss of a relationship. Uh, It can even be the loss of, of the life that you always pictured yourself having, right? Just this grief that comes in whenever we experience this, this loss type of a thing. I, I've, I've experienced uh, a couple of instances of death that were close to me in my lifetime. My uncle, who I was close with, my grandma, both of those I was, I was close with. But one unexpected source of grief in my life was whenever we moved from Oklahoma. And we left behind family and friends and, and the life that we've always known there. And I don't think I was ready for uh, a feeling of, of grief that would come on. And honestly, I still experience it every now and then. Now I still struggle with it. I read this week that grief is uh, it's the emotional response to trauma, much like your body after you go through a surgery, there's a process of trauma that your body goes through, right? After you go through a surgery, your body responds and it hurts, but there's healing taking place. Well, grief is the emotional response to trauma that's taken place. And while it's no fun, while we don't enjoy it, it's necessary for our emotional recovery, right? And so Paul is not saying in this passage, hey, Christians, stop grieving. Just stop it. That's not what he says. That's not what he says at all. He says, I don't want your confusion to cause you to grieve like the rest who have no hope. That's what he's saying. He's not saying we're exempt from grief. We do grieve. But there's a difference to how Christians grieve because we have a faith and a hope. We know the end of the story, right? And so there's a difference in how Christians grieve. Christian grief is this. It's the struggle to bring our faith and our emotions together, right? And so you and I, even though we believe that Jesus is one day coming again, we believe that we're saved, that we have an eternal future, man, when loss happens, we grieve, and it's a process, and there's a lot more we could say on that, but we grieve, but not like the rest, right? Because, number two, we believe. Look at verse 14. We believe, he says, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Now, I want us to stop there for just a second. What we believe carries us. Whenever we experience those moments, what we believe carries us. When we're grieving a loss, it's tough sometimes for us to see through the fog of everything else that's going on around us, right? You just get so just deep into the emotions and the fog of what's going on that you can't see reality. And so I think it's interesting here that these people who are grieving and hurting, Paul comforts them with doctrine, with theology, and with the word, right? 
He appeals to their mind and to their heart and says, brothers and sisters, we believe, right, that Jesus died and that he rose again and he's gonna return, he's coming back. Do you know why Jesus came to this earth on a rescue mission? Do you know why? He says in John 10, 10, why? He says, a thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy, but I have come so that they might have life. And not just a little bit, but have it in abundance, he says, right? So that's why Jesus came for us. We have, a, we have a thief, we have an enemy, we have Satan who wants to steal our joy, he wants to kill us, he wants to destroy us. But Jesus, our hero, enters, he stepped into this earth, he lived a perfect life that you and I could never live, right? He went to a cross on Friday of this week, he went to a cross and he laid down his life for us, his friends, He wasn't murdered, he gave up his life willingly so that you and I could know him, so that our relationship with the Lord could be restored. That blood offering that was needed, he provided, right? And and so that's why he, he came and his death has defeated death. His life, his resurrection has brought us life. That's the reason Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, he quotes back into the Old Testament. He says, now, because of all that, where death is your victory, where death is your sting, right? He says, thanks be to God who gives victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, through the death and the resurrection of Jesus, you and I, followers of of him, well, we don't experience death in the same way. He's taken the sting out of death. He has victory over death that you and I share in. And see, the Thessalonians, they needed to be reminded of this And I think we do too, that we don't sorrow like the rest of the world. We don't grieve like the rest of the world because we have a hope. And whenever we start to grieve like the rest, man, we forget the very purpose of why Jesus came. And so we don't grieve in that way. His death and resurrection brings new life into us. He came so that we might have life and not just a little bit of it, but have it in abundance. And we believe that. And because we believe that, third, we have hope. We know this from from verse 14, that in the same way, because, because we believe that Jesus died and rose again, in the same way, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. See, death is not the end. Death is not the end. Those Christians who had fallen asleep, he says, were just asleep. And that was a term that they used to describe death, but the thing about sleep is it's not forever, right? Eventually you wake up. Teenagers take a little bit longer than the rest of us, but eventually we wake up, it's just temporary. And so the Bible teaches that death is not the end. In fact, the Bible teaches that there's two destinations after, after death. For non-Christians, Luke, Luke chapter 16, verse 22, talks about this place called Hades or hell, that the rich man, as soon as he died, he went immediately into this place of torment called Hades. And so non-Christians, when you die, that's your immediate destination. Christians, when you die, our earthly bodies go into the grave, but our spirit goes directly into the presence of God. 2 Corinthians 5, 8 says, in fact, we are confident And we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So your physical body goes to sleep, but your spirit continues to exist. Death is not 
a period, it's just a comma. And we take hope in that as believers. For Christians, when you die, you open your eyes in the presence of God himself. Your, your faith becomes sight, 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, right? And so we have this hope. Uh, on our podcast that we do every week, Pastor Josh and I, we, we talk about the upcoming text and, and he said it this way. He said, hope is not the opposite of grief, it's the way that we grieve. It's not the opposite, it's the way that we grieve. We have hope. And so Paul, whenever he's telling them about the hope that he has, he, he, he brings up the return of Jesus. He's, he brings up the return of Christ. In fact, in your Bible, it says that, that he is coming. That's a Greek word that would talk about like an event that takes place. It's a Greek word called perusia. And, and that word means the arrival of an important person. The arrival of, of an important person. Whenever a king or somebody like that would enter into a place, it was this perugia type of a thing where they would, they would march in, which by the way, today is Palm Sunday. If you're familiar with that text, Jesus rode into town on a donkey. He left from the East Mountain, went through the East Gate, went straight to the temple. If you're with us, whenever we talked about Ezekiel, I kind of mapped out some of the meaning behind all of that, but there's symbolism through all of it. But whenever the people march in and they're singing Hosanna and they got their palm branches and all those kind of things, that was what's called an, a herald. Somebody who would go before the king as they entered in this Perugia type of thing, whenever the arrival of the important person came, there was always a group, a herald, that would announce the coming of the king. And so whenever they're saying Hosanna and there's palm branches going, they are saying the king has arrived. And it was on purpose and it was with intention. And here, whenever he talks about the coming of the Lord, the return of Christ, he talks about what? The archangel giving a shout, a trumpet blast going. These are to say, man, the, the, the arrival of the king is taking place. He is, he, he's here, right? And so Paul draws their attention to the perusia, the, the, the arrival, the return of King Jesus to comfort their hurt right? To comfort their hurt. How does that comfort your hurt? It's because this, one day Christ will return. He will. You can count on it, right? It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a fact. 23 out of the 27 New Testament books mention, teach on the return of Jesus. In fact, in the Bible, for every one verse that talks about Jesus coming and being born, there's eight more that talk about his return. It's a fact. He will return. Verse 16 says, the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and the archangel's voice and with the trumpet of God. See, the Bible was never intended for us to sit around and debate like how that's actually gonna happen. Are you a pre-millennialist, a post-millennialist, a all-millennial? Like, what are your views on the, on the future time? That stuff's okay, but it's not the point. <laughs> the point has always been throughout the Bible to offer us encouragement and motivation to keep going, to comfort our hurts. And so Christ will return, and when he returns, he's gonna bring a reunion. He's gonna bring a reunion, and there's two reunions that happen here. The first is that we're gonna be reu reunited with Christ. We who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so if you and I are still living whenever Jesus comes back, we're gonna meet 
Christ in the air. So that's the first return. The second, re- or the second reunion that's gonna happen is we're gonna be reunited with our Christian brothers and sisters. That's what he says. The dead in Christ will rise and we're gonna meet them We'll be caught up together with them in the clouds. That's what it says there in verse 17. So the grave is, is not the end. Death is not the end. Just as we know that we will see Jesus one day, we will also see our Christian brothers and sisters and our loved ones again. And there's hope in that, right? If you've ever lost someone, if you've lost a loved one, there is hope in that. There's encouragement for our hurt and for our grief that we will be reunited with them and then the reunion of that will bring relief that the more it's more than just a big reunion party right he says we will always be with him talking about Jesus we will always be with him and so life was tough for the Christians in Thessalonica just as it is for us today the hurt that we experience will one day be put behind us Christ's return will bring immediate and eternal relief. Revelation chapter 21. I want you to see this. I have it on the screen for you. It's talking about whenever Jesus returns. John, the the writer of Revelation, he says this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. It's all this imagery that's going on here. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. Look, God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them. They will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief crying and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. So for the believer, man, death may bring grief for a moment, but Christ brings relief for all of eternity. And we have that hope. So whenever Paul's speaking to these people who are hurting, they're mourning the loss of their friends, Paul says, don't forget Jesus is coming back. Don't forget his return. One of the most fascinating stories in the Bible is in John chapter 11. In fact, I wanna ask you if you would turn over to John chapter 11 in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, maybe just look on with somebody. In this story, we see Jesus lose a loved one and grieve over it. In John chapter 11, Jesus's friend and his loved one, Lazarus, has gotten very sick and he's died. He passed away from this sickness. And verse five of chapter 11, if you see that, it says that Jesus loved Lazarus and his two sisters, Martha and Mary. Jesus loved them. Look at verse 11. He said this, He told them, that's talking about his disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. He means dead, but I'm on my way to wake him up. Like, don't miss that. Jesus, his his friend, his loved one has died and Jesus knows he has a plan. He's going 
to raise him from the dead. That's, that's why he's going. Keep that in mind. By the time that Jesus got there, Lazarus has been dead and in the grave for four days. And in verse 21, Martha comes out and she's grieving and she's beside herself. She says, Lord, if you just would have been here, like he'd still be alive. If you just would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And look what he says to her in verse 23. Your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's what he asked her. Do you believe this? And she says, yes, I believe you are the Messiah, the son of God who comes into the world. Skip down to verse 32. The other sister, Mary, comes out. As soon as Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and told him, Lord, if you'd just been here, if you'd just been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And when Jesus saw her crying and the Jews who had come with her crying, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. And he asked, where have you put him? Lord, they told him, come, come and see. And Jesus wept. Jesus cried. He experiences this moment of grief with his friends. Whenever he sees Mary and Martha, the sisters, they're torn up over the loss of their brother. He knows how much he loves Lazarus as well. There's this moment where Jesus, even though he knew he was gonna raise him from the dead, Jesus pauses and experiences grief there with them. And you, you know the rest of the story. You've heard it if you've been in church at all. Jesus calls out to Lazarus. He goes to the grave, calls out Lazarus, and, and Lazarus is raised from the dead. And Jesus raises Lazarus in that moment to prove that whenever he says he's gonna bring people back to life, he's, gonna, he's showing us here that he actually can do that that there's proof behind what he's, he's saying. But the point I wanna highlight in the story is the real grief that we see and the hope of resurrection. That throughout scripture, man, Jesus moves toward those who are hurting. He moves towards those who are experiencing grief and pain. He doesn't shy away from those things. He runs towards them himself. He's on the side of the wounded, the suffering, and the broken. It's why he came, so that, so that we could have life in the valley of death. It's why he came. He brings life and resurrection, and the one who believes in him, even if he dies, will live. Thank you for listening to the preaching and teaching ministry of Second Baptist. We hope that we will see you in person this next Sunday. To find more information about service times, location, and ministry offerings, visit mysecond.family. Thank you for listening.